Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harbin of the Steel Curtain Network, and if you have been paying attention to your little device, whether it's your computer, your laptop, your iPad, your your phone, it doesn't matter, you might have noticed, wait a second, what is that logo? That's right, it's the Steel Curtain Network logo. The Fans First Sports Network is officially off the ground. It's an exciting time. I'll probably dive more into this in the coming episodes, maybe on Thursday on the Steelers preview with Dave and Brian, but I I can't stress how exciting this is. The Let's Ride podcast is still going on. I know Friday we had a little hiccup with Apple Podcasts, and some people were hitting me up on Twitter saying, Jeff, where's Let's Ride? It, it, It showed up. It was late, but it showed up. So I thank you all for joining me on this very first episode of the official Fans First Sports Network and the official Steel Curtain Network. It's very exciting for me with my Let's Ride podcast. I've been talking about it for a long time. We've been talking about it for a long time, and it's finally here, which is awesome. Today, Monday, we have a great show for you. I'm excited for this show. Why? Because I love talking with people that know so much more about football than I do. Listen, Everyone has their own niche. Dave Schofield's a stat guy. You have Jeffrey Benedict as a film room guy. And then you have people like myself. I'm just commentary. You know, I'm like the the commentary writer in the newspaper that I'm not an expert at anything, but I yet I can get my point out in a certain way. Well, I'm bringing on a guest today for the Monday Morning Conversation who is the football guy, and I, I say it all the time. I said it to him when we had our segment He's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know, and that's our own KT Smith, Kevin Smith, Coach Smith. You probably heard him if you listened to he and Brian's show on Fridays, the Here We Go Steelers show, but I wanted to have him on to talk about these Steelers free agent signings, which, by the way, Saturday night in the wee hours, not that nah, was in the morning technically, it was closer to 11 p.m., I'm asleep, and the Steelers go out and make a signing. They go out and sign an offensive guard from the Philadelphia Eagles. If you missed that, go back and check out the breaking news podcast I did. It's on the feed. You can get a little bit of a summation about that. But we're going to talk about that guard signing. We're going to talk about the offense and the defense, breaking it down. Where the Which direction are the Steelers going in this offseason with these free agent signings? Really excited for this interview. I know you're going to love this Monday morning conversation with KT Smith. And that's what, hey, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, you're going to have that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is Monday. It is the Left Drive Podcast, and you know what that means. It's time for the Monday Morning Conversation. I'm very happy to have this guest back on the show. He's been on here several times. He's also a contributor to the Steel Curtain Network. That's our own KT Smith. Coach, what's up? 
Hey, Mr. Hartman. Good to be with you on a Monday morning. Yes, yes. Monday morning conversation time. I'm excited because you know you've forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. So it's a chance for me to learn something. Before we dive into the minutiae of the Steelers free agency signings, I want to give you a chance because you're gonna, you're about to expand your role a little bit with Fans for Sports Network, which is getting ready to get off the get off the ground. You're, you're going to do an NFL-based show. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Uh, yeah, we're going to launch a, a new podcast called The Call Sheet, which is going to be a little bit of a play on some of my coaching experience and uh, and some of the current things that are going on in the NFL. Uh, we'll, we'll probably break the show into about three different segments, one where we hit on news of the week, and then we'll pick one of those stories and do a little bit of a deeper dive on it, focus on some of the ramifications. Maybe it'll be something like, you know, Jalen Carter's draft stock after some of the things that have gone on recently with him or whether or not Gardner Minshew can be a starting quarterback in, in the NFL. Uh, and then the last segment, we'll really do a scheme analysis. We'll look at a hot trend in the NFL and and try to break it down. Maybe it'll be the use of RPOs or the use of robber coverage or you know something may, that may might help fans maybe focus a little bit more on what's going on in the field and get a little bit of a, a deeper understanding of that. So I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to have some cool guests on and some, some interesting people. So uh, I can't wait to do that. Yeah. And we're going to have an entire NFL feed at fans for sports network, where it's going to be Kevin's voice is going to be there. Um, we're going to have a bunch of other voices there talking about everything from the NFL draft to just news that is going on around the league. It's going to be a lot of fun. You have to make sure you check that out, but Kevin's show is going to be really great because of his perspective as a coach. I'm really excited for that. As a part of, again, Fans for Sports Network, which is official. If you've been checking your podcast feed, you're probably like, wow, that's a new logo. It's because everything finally happened. We're not being held hostage anymore, and uh, it's good to be here, and it's good to talk with you about the Steelers. Man, the Steelers have been busy. Late Saturday night, you wake up Sunday morning, and you're like, what's the Steelers? They they signed a guy? What the hell? So let's. I want to break this down offensively and defensively and, and get your opinion on some things. So offensively, the Steelers have only made two signings. And they're both interior offensive linemen. You have Nate Herbig and Isaacs. I, I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing Suamalo is what I'm guessing. Um, both offensive guards. I mean, let's talk about Suamalo for briefly, just him by himself. You, you sent a message on Slack saying you love the signing. What do you like about it? And then we'll talk about it more from a global perspective. Sure. Well, first, anytime you get a guy who made 20 starts for uh, a team that made a Super Bowl run, and you can kind of pull that guy off of that. Uh, unit that's a great addition he's an interesting name you know he's 29 years old uh, he's got good experience in Philadelphia that Philly's run game I spent a lot of time breaking that down because it's so interesting they they were so physical and, and the NFC championship game especially watching that game against the 49ers who are a darn good defense and Philly pushed them around in a way that I just never expected uh, the, the physicality at the first level being able to knock the defensive tackles, the interior linemen into the linebacker level opened up so much in Philly's run game. And, and Sam Mala was a huge part of that. Uh, the, the other interesting thing about him, you know, other than the fact that he's a real physical guy, is you know, he's credited with helping offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland, who's a, one of the most renowned O-line coaches in the league right now, Philly's O-line coach. He's, help, he's credited with helping Stoutland design Philly's run game. So this is a smart guy as well. This is a guy who understands scheme uh, and probably will be able to be a little bit of a, a coach on the field within Pittsburgh's young offensive line unit. So there's an awful lot to like there. Okay, so they bring in Herbig. 
Herbig was an undrafted player. There's they're both connections to Andy Weedle from Philadelphia. And what do you see here with the offense? I mean, they haven't made any other signings. There's not the, you know, the, the wide receiver that maybe the veteran wide receiver that some people predicted this tight end with Zach Gentry remains a question mark. And I'm not suggesting that they would add a running back, obviously a quarterback three, maybe, but those are going to be later down the road. What do you see is really happening here? Like, it, it, this can't just be, in my opinion, this can't just be competition for Kevin Dotson. Like the, the, these are two guards that have a lot of experience in the league. What are your thoughts? I think, I think Sam Miles is a day one starter. I don't think they brought him in to be a backup. Uh, I think Kevin Dotson's roster spot is, is uh, in jeopardy right now because you look at Herbig, he's a monster. He's 6'4", 345. He's not real athletic. He's definitely more of a Ramon Foster type guard than he is a, you know, David DeCastro. But, but the, the mandate seems to be up front, hey, we're going to really invest in the run game. That I think the Steelers felt like they had a recipe for success over the second half of the season when they went 6-2 and two and they ran the ball really, really well. And I think that, that the mindset will be run the football, get, win first down, you know, get us in second and manageable where the playbook's open, where you don't have to put too much on Kenny Pickett's plate, protect Kenny Pickett. Uh, run play action, you know, the quick passing game, the boot game, things that, you know, get defenses moving uh, and allow Pickett easier windows in which to throw the football. You do that by upgrading the offensive line. You, know, you get a guy like Sam Malu who can be a day one starter with his experience uh, and be a mentor to some of those other linemen. And you bring in a guy like Herbig who, who immediately pushes other guys because of how big and physical he is and how experienced and tied to Andy White, like you said, that he is. I mean, they're creating competition along the offensive line while upgrading the line. And to me, that just speaks about their investment in the run game. We're going to run the football and we're going to make Kenny Pickett's life easier by doing so and play to his strengths. Uh, and when you when you think of it like that, it, it kind of goes back to looking at Ben Roethlisberger early in his career and why he was able to have success. Veteran team, good run game, real good defense. And, and don't put too much on his plate. Was Kevin Dotson that bad? I mean, because let, let's be honest, the, the fan narrative is that he's atrocious. And there's a lot of people that break down film that think he is not, he's not great. He's not as bad as everyone thinks. What is your opinion on Kevin Dotson? I mean, they've been trying to replace the guy seemingly for the last three years. Yeah. He doesn't seem to be a, a favorite of the coaching staff for whatever reason. My sense, I, you know, obviously I don't know this. None of us can know this unless we're there, but my sense is he might not be the most coachable guy. Hmm. He seems to make, he seems to make the same mistakes a lot. And if you can't self-correct or you can't take coaching to help make the corrections at some point, they're going to view as a, you as a finished product. This is what he is. And if, and if what he is isn't good enough, then they're going to look for alternatives. Okay, now let's go to the other side, meaning James Daniels. So I thought he played well. He had a horrible preseason, but he definitely got accustomed to the system with Pat Meyer. And is is his job in jeopardy here, do you think? Or are these two signings specifically for the left side? Yeah, that's interesting. I was literally just writing about that before we went, we went on, <laughs> where I just said, you know, essentially I said, I, I think he's still the starter, but don't be surprised if he gets pushed here. Because, again, when you look at what Herbig does, he is a big physical people mover up front. And the Steelers last year, especially in the second half of the season, relied exclusively on inside zone and outside zone as their run scheme. They, did, they weren't pulling guards. They didn't run really any gap schemes where the guards had to get out and pull. And they had success with that. And, and Daniels is definitely more of an athletic, you know, pin and pull type guard and, and less of a people mover up front. 
Uh, and Herbig's a people mover. And so like, if the Steelers want to commit to the inside and outside zone scheme, it just kind of makes you wonder a little bit about like, okay, bring in Herbig. That's what he does. Uh, so I don't know. Do you, I thought Daniels played pretty well too, but he's got a bigger salary and maybe they, maybe the Steelers decide, Hey, if we, if we're comfortable uh, with, with Herbig, then we move on. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And then you throw in like Kendrick Green and you're thinking, man, like what what a horrible draft pick that was. Yeah, I'll be honest, I, I forgot I forgot about Kendrick Green. You know? <laughs> he was inactive every game last year. I mean, he did nothing, but what a horrible third round pick. And then, and then the, it's even crazier when you think a season before he started every game. Yeah. Ben Roethlisberger's last center was Kendrick Green. Yeah, that's an injustice. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for maybe, that. Maybe that maybe that was how they decided they were going to get Ben to retire. <laughs> that's a cruel joke, man. <laughs> now, before we go away from the offense, I do want to ask you because we're talking about the offensive line. I'm fascinated by it. Everyone expected them to make moves to tackle. They expected Dan Moore Jr. to be replaced and potentially to have Chooks upgraded. And I, I don't know how you see it, but the Steelers don't view this unless they're just going to maybe wait. But it, the high price tackles are very expensive, or maybe they're going to uh, approach this in the draft. What are your thoughts on the Steelers' offensive line situation? I think that the free agent offensive tackles have proven over over recent years to be overpriced and to underperform for, for the price tag. Uh, although it is interesting that the Steelers reportedly were in the you know, the running on Orlando Brown that's interesting because that's a not a that's you know an untraditional Steeler move big name big money etc yeah um, but you know I I think Dan, Dan Moore Jr. graded out as their highest uh, their best run blocker last year uh, mm-hmm. obviously in pass protection he struggled and as a left tackle that's a huge concern uh, but I think that the Steelers feel as though he's a guy they can work with and then probably will look to uh, create competition for him in the draft. High high pick seventeen or thirty two. I'd expect to see a left tackle and and then push push him in in that regard. I, I think it's really just sort of a, a cost analysis type thing. Is there a guy that we can land in free agency that will be worth it? And if not, then we go all in in the draft. And a similar question when I asked about James Daniels because the narrative is that everything everything that's wrong with the offensive line is on the left side, and we're we're still following that narrative. But what about Chooks for? What did you like about him, or what did you not like about him as the right tackle? If if you if you can come to terms with who he is, he's a good right tackle. Uh, he's a finesse guy uh, who's going to position block guys rather than drive them off the ball. He's got good feet, so he's going to be a good pass protector. Everybody, I think, who gets frustrated with him wants him to be something he's not, which is this like down blocker who's just going to drive dudes off the ball and manhandle uh, defensive ends, et cetera. He's not that guy, and he's never going to be that guy, but he's a good athlete. And if the Steelers run, want to run more outside zone, which really relies on your tackles to, to create leverage, you need a guy with good feet who can move, and he's pretty good for that. He's not a gap blocker. Maybe one of the reasons why you didn't see them run power counter these traditional like block down kick out old school football schemes is because he really can't do that he's not going to move a three tech you get an nfl three tech who's some 320 pound dude um who's who's going to get off the ball and chooks is not going to block that guy down but he's going to be able to reach him you know he's going to be able to position block him and he's going to be able to pass protect against him so if you're okay with that then i think that you know we're fine with with a core four 
It's, it's interesting. It's really interesting that they're trying to, it seems like, you know, with the new regime, they're trying to rebuild everything from the trenches. And that's something that you've talked about a lot on both the Here We Go Steelers show with Brian Davis, as well as in your written word. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, let's leave this with this. Uh, if, if no other moves are made heading into the NFL draft, are you happy with what the Steelers have done on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I am. I am. I don't feel as though they need to make a big money skill position acquisition. Uh, I thought that they, you know, the, the growth that they showed over the second half of the season was really encouraging. And for me, the continuity for Kenny Pickett is more important than anything else. And so, you know, obviously you're relying on a slot receiver, like maybe Calvin Austin, the uh, third, or, or even Anthony Miller to come in and develop. You're probably going to pull somebody in, in the draft or maybe a late round or a late uh, free agent guy. So you're going to need some people to step up, but I think that the that the track they're on offensively is, is the right one. I got to ask you: Do you think Kenny Pickett makes a big jump in year two? I do, I do. I really think that he's a guy who uh, gets better as he becomes more familiar with a situation. You certainly saw that, and I think if the Steelers can manage the scheme uh, and if they can play the type of football we were just talking about where you're just saying, Hey, we're going to try to grind out wins with our run game and be more physical. And, 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 you know, if Kenny's got to win the game down the stretch, he showed he can do that. I don't think yeah. he can carry the Steelers for four quarters, but I think that in a close football game, he's shown that he can come through. Yeah. in the second half, they moved the ball. Well, they struggled in the red zone when the field got short, but ultimately they did a good job. So it'll be interesting to see. He has bulked up a little bit this off season. He's had some muscle. I'm excited to see that the new Kenny Pickett, so to speak. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball because we all knew this. Going into the offseason, this is where the glaring holes were going to be on this team. And they've addressed a lot of those. But I want to ask you first about the departures, mainly Cam Sutton. You think the Steelers are going to miss Cam Sutton a lot, or do you think Patrick Peterson coming in is going to kind of negate that more than we think? I think for 2023, it's going to negate that. I think Patrick Peterson this coming season can give the Steelers – something close to what Cam Sutton gave them. The thing with Sutton that's going to be tough to, to replace is how versatile he was, that the Steelers could run a, a variety of schemes. They could go cover one, two, three, quarters, match stuff, whatever, and he could do it all. He could kick into the slot. Even last year as the starting outside corner, he played 180 snaps in the slot. Patrick Peterson played seven snaps in the slot in Minnesota last year. He's not a slot guy. And that'll be the one area where they have to really think about how how creative they can get to to replace that. Because the nice thing about having Sutton on the field was you could kick him inside to the slot and and in your in their three safety package, roll one of those safeties down to be a flat defender in a cover three scheme and and you could mask and disguise that without changing personnel. And that's that's huge to be able to to do that. But Peterson's still a really good player. He graded out higher than Sutton did last year. And they just again, kind of like what we were talking about with Kenny Pickett, you got to manage him. They got to manage the situations in which they put Peterson. You can't have him playing a ton of press man coverage. He's not that guy anymore. Um, but I don't think there'll be a big drop off. I think they'll look to obviously, you know, draft a corner fairly high and develop that guy going forward. Speaking of the cornerbacks, let me let me ask a question. Let's assume out of this in this crazy world where there, there's not a cornerback class that is really really good which there is and let's say the Steelers don't draft one and you go into this season with Akella Witherspoon, Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson what would that even look like who's the guy that flexes on the inside I, you could throw in Millette he's still on the roster but Peterson is predominantly an outside player 
Akella Witherspoon is a cover corner that's an outside player. Is Levi Wallace able to move into the slot? Is he a flexible guy, kind of like in in the ilk of Cam Sutton? I don't think so. I, yeah, I think that I think the guy is Mullet. I think the more intriguing question is, you know, what are they going to do with Terrell Edmonds? I'm really hoping they bring him back because if you bring back Terrell Edmonds, you can run a lot of that three safety package and, and Edmonds kind of drops down and becomes your slot guy. Or you, you know, you roll and disguise your coverages, which the Steelers were great at doing last season. DeMonte Kazee is such a great addition because with him being your center fielder, you know, the guy who plays in the middle of the field, the deep middle and cover one and cover three schemes. Now you can get really creative with Fitzpatrick, make a Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds and kind of move all those pieces around. So re-signing Edmonds could mitigate a little bit of the absence that they have of a true slot guy. Now we're, you're jumping the gun to safety. We'll get to them in a second. Okay. <laughs> Let's uh, I want to ask you about something that this is, this is more for you as a coach. Patrick Peterson in his introductory press conference with the media last week said how he loves helping young players that he, he believes it's more of a, I can't take it with me. Like what's the use of me at his age? He, and he's going to be 33 when the season rolls around. Like what's the point of me not helping young players learn and be better. Do you see a massive amount of value? Let's assume the Steelers do draft a corner. I think we all know they're going to draft a corner at some point of this guy potentially being around a Patrick Peterson, some say a future hall of famer for two seasons. Like how much value is there outside of what the production is on the football field? I think it's huge. He talked about the game slowing down for him as he gets older. And that is, that's a huge telltale sign about a guy who's become really comfortable with what they're doing. And I was doing a little film work on him. Um, and it's, it's these little things, you know, that you can't really learn from a coach. You have to really learn from experience. And then you talk to a guy like Peterson. I'll give you a quick example. The, there's a play I was breaking down where Peterson's in, locked up on a receiver who's running a vertical route near the sideline. The quarterback's rolling out to that sideline. And the, and the receiver's still going vertical. But Peterson knows when he makes his break, he's going to cut into the sideline because the quarterback's on the move. He can't go back to the middle of the field because that's going to wind up with the quarterback having to throw the ball across his body. And so what Peterson does as the receiver sinks his hips and it becomes evident he's about to make his break is Peterson automatically jumps to his to his outside hip, the, the hip closest to the boundary, because he knows that's where the throw is going to go. And the receiver actually winds up having to become the defender to stop Peterson from picking it off. And that's just like a little thing. Most, you know, when you're when you're just regular, when you're playing D-back in that situation, you're taught, hey, stay on the inside hip, stay on the inside hip. But what Peterson is able to do in real time is is recognize the situation and anticipate what's going to happen and and beat the receiver to the football. And that's the kind of stuff I think that he can impart to a younger guy uh, that you know people without his, his experience or, or his football IQ can't do. So I think that, yeah, if he's willing to be that guy, then that's a win for the Steelers. Yeah, and, and something else that I was fascinated by, and I don't know if you heard this in the same press conference that I alluded to, was that he said that the Steelers tried to make something happen last year. They tried to get him last year, and he knows Grady Brown, the, the defensive backs coach for the Steelers. He has a familiarity with Mike Tomlin due to his cousin, Bryant McFadden. And I guess the Steelers were trying to wheel and deal a, a deal for him last year. So very interesting stuff, but let's talk about the safeties. You talked about Terrell Edmonds, but let's talk about DeMonte Casey. KZ returning. I I feel like in I'll get your opinion on this. The Steelers knew they they wanted both of these guys back. 
they made it known which one they wanted back more by getting KZ first. And do you think that he was the smart addition first or should they have gone the other way and try to lock up Trell Edmonds first? Yeah, that's tricky. Uh, Edmonds is younger and and probably has more career in front of him. Uh, so he, so he's tempting in that regard, but what KZ does is so valuable because it frees up Minka Fitzpatrick. If Minka Fitzpatrick can now, I don't want to say literally take on a Troy Palomalu role. They don't, they're not using him that creatively or, you know, that much uh, like the Dick LeBeau mad scientist scheme, but they, they really are moving Fitzpatrick all over the place. You see so often in Pittsburgh's coverages, uh, Fitzpatrick starting in one spot pre-snap and ending up somewhere else on the field, whether he's dropping down as a robber, he's coming into the slot or something. There's even times where he's, he's, you know, working out wide on, on receivers. And that flexibility lets them get creative with their blitz schemes. It's a nightmare for opposing quarterbacks when you when you you know you don't know where Fitzpatrick's going to wind up because you know you know how offenses are. Oftentimes they look at a defense and they say, "All right, we got to account for you know ninety, and we got to account for thirty nine. We have to know where those two guys are all the time." And when you don't know where Fitzpatrick's going to be, that's a huge problem. And Kazee allows for that because he can police the back end so well so his value i think in terms of a what he does but b what it then allows the steelers to do scheme wise was probably a little bit more than maybe and i think that they may, might feel like hey look if we lose edmonds he's a good player he knows our scheme etc but we can find another guy to do what he does and it's harder to find uh, someone with kazi's skill set there you go. You got to prioritize. You got to make some tough decisions sometimes. That's exactly what you're talking about. So, I, okay, I like that. Let's talk about these linebackers. These linebackers, it's uh, Landon Roberts and Cole Holcomb. I got to be honest, I didn't know much about these players when they signed them. I had to do my homework. I'm sure you might have heard of these players, or maybe you didn't. They seem like, uh, at least Holcomb, he seems like he belongs in the 1980s, 90s with the neck collar, and that's uh, the type of line. Am I right in my assumption there, or do you think that he's bringing a little bit more to the table than that generation? Which, I, hey, that was your generation. I'm not trying to slander you. They were good players. Don't get them wrong. No, no. no, no. What do you the think neck, about these linebackers? The neck roll was mandatory equipment back in the day. You know? <laughs> my shoulder pads in college, you could have landed a small plane on them. You know, like it was like <laughs> so like – it is uh, crazy to go back and see old footage. Like, oh my gosh, those pads are huge. huge. No wonder we all ran like five oh forties. You know, like, <laughs> um, Holcomb. You know, I, I like Holcomb. Uh, he's an interesting guy. You know, one of the, one of the other themes of this off season or of this free agency period is the Steelers have been really going after, with with the exception of Peterson. These these like young these hungry guys, man, like low round picks. Holcomb was a walk on at North Carolina, a fifth round draft pick. Roberts was a sixth round pick. Herbig was a was a undrafted free agent. You know, like these are guys who who have made their way in the NFL because they've been hungry uh, and they've had to just grind for everything that they've gotten. They're they're overachievers. They're team guys. They're smart. They have high football IQ. I think that that's that's sort of the mo. These are guys that are going to come in and be great system guys. And that's Holcomb wore the green dot in Washington. So you're talking about a guy who went from being a, walk, a college walk on to essentially a, a cap a team captain on the defense. So obviously he brings those intangibles with him. In a way, I wonder if that doesn't make him like the anti Devin Bush. You know, because I'm not trying to you know. I don't. I mean, no, no disrespect to Devin Bush, but he's the opposite. He's the son of a former NFL guy. He was a four-star recruit out of high school. He was a top ten NFL pick. 
he just seems to be like a guy who's who who's kind of always been in star mode and ne- and never really you know, that that famous comment of his about when they asked him if he thought 2022 was going to be make or break year and he and he said like you know what as a stealer well I'm I'm going to be in the league one way or another however he said it yeah, you know? yeah. It, it it just it just it just gave a sense of indifference and it, rightly or wrongly and whereas Holcomb's the opposite he brings you know passion enthusiasm intensity all all of those things and and obviously you know you know more than weighing more than all of that is his ability to play uh, but the Steelers certainly feel comfortable with that. So, yeah, he's an old school throwback downhill banger type linebacker who brings an intangible. I think that Bush lacked. What about Roberts? What do you, what do you see in him? Well, here's what I like about Roberts. He was drafted by the Patriots you know, as a as a buck linebacker. The buck is the is the, you know strong side guy who takes on a lot of blocks and plugs gaps. And you look back at New England's history, you go all the way back to Ted Johnson and Donta Hightower, Brandon Spikes, they Jared Mayo, they always had a guy who could stop the run in the middle. And and they brought in Roberts to be that guy. He followed Brian Flores down to Miami, had a good season last year with over 100 tackles. He's more limited than Holcomb. He's just not as athletic. He's definitely going to come off the field on third down. But I think what the Steelers are doing, similar to what we were talking about on offense, if they're, if they're saying on offense with some of these additions, we're going to win first down, get into manageable second down situations that that alleviate some of the stress on Kenny Pickett, then what they're saying on defense is we're going to stop the run on first down, get offenses into long yarded situations where we can unleash our pass rush and get really creative with our secondary. I think that's really what you're seeing. They're bringing in guys who stop the run because they didn't have that that last year. Miles, Miles Jack and Devin Bush were horizontal sideline to sideline players, but didn't really get downhill. And these two guys are the opposite. I've liked all the moves that they've made. The one area on this defense that I was hoping they would make some other type of addition, and they did in a way. They brought back Larry Ogunjobi. I was hoping they would bring some more some bigger bodies to the defensive front. How happy are you with the state of the defensive line heading into the draft? I'm a big fan of Ogunjobi. I think that when he when he was healthy in the second half of the season, uh, it freed up Cam Hayward. You, you've got to. You've got to you got Hayward, Ogunjobi, and and Watt across the front, and Heisman. Who who are you doubling? You have to. You can only double one of those guys. Yeah. And that that makes that makes it a really tough choice. Somebody's gotten getting one on one out of those guys, or or you're leaving a back or a tight end in, which limits your passing game. If you want to double somebody else, it makes their ability their ability to run interior double teams so much harder. Um, so I like Ogunjobi. I do. I, I still think that the Steelers could benefit from an athletic interior player. And, and I, but I think that they feel they have that in DeMarvin Leal. I think they feel like he's got a high ceiling and that they can do some things athletically with him that they can't do with Ogunjobi. So I would expect to see Leal take on a bigger role. All right. Let's, let's talk about this team from more of a, a global perspective, assuming they hit, they hit on a couple of their draft picks. And I only say a couple because it's a crapshoot. Assuming they hit on some draft picks that can contribute this season at some key positions, you think people are sleeping on the 2023 Steelers? They're not getting much respect out there. Ah, absolutely. Right now, you know, I'm always going to err. I'm going to err on homerism and optimism because I'm you're like me. Care. That's fine. Yeah, right. I, I mean, fans first sports network. We are fans. exactly. So, yeah. so if you're a fan, if you're, well, I mean, although I will say this, growing up, you know, in the Philadelphia area and living in the Philadelphia area. Even with the recent success, they are the most 
pessimistic group of people imaginable. I could, you know, I could throw out it. Hey, man, Eagles had a great season. Yeah, but they lost the Super Bowl. I mean, immediately. That's, <laughs> I'm the opposite. I'm like, hey, the Steelers are going to be good. But I do think they're going to be good. I think that they've got an opportunity. They're a young team. They bring a lot of guys back. They've made, they've done a great job in free agency plugging uh, areas where they, where they had some need to provide some depth there. And they can go into the draft now and draft for one, and that's that's exciting. So, yeah, I th- I'm I think the the arrows decidedly up on this team. It just seems like for the first time in a long time, it seems rather even. You know, you even even back in the early Ben Roethlisberger days, the defense was dominant. The offense was just like, hey, don't f it up, all right. And I feel like now the offense with the playmakers they have with Firemuth, Pickens, and Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, like it seems even if they can get that offensive line figured out. So that's going to be exciting. I'm I'm with you. I'm a homer. I've always been a homer. I've always been an optimistic guy. So all right, any final thoughts there, Kevin? Before I let you go. No, I enjoyed the conversation, and uh, I feel as though, like, the last thing I'll say is this. I feel as though with Omar Khan and Andy Weidel right now that we're we're seeing with the Steelers a true changing of the guard. Like, we we, we knew that literally that was going to happen when Kevin Colbert stepped away. But the the philosophy has been different. It's been a little bit more aggressive. It's been a little bit more willing to sort of take a chance. I mean, they're taking a chance on Peterson here and uh, the the news that they may have, you know, been in the bidding for Orlando Brown's really interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see you know, what happens with the draft because it just feels yeah. like this is a new chapter in Steelers history. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Kevin, make sure you uh, check in, check him out on the Heat Rego Steelers show with Brian Davis, as well as on the website behind the steel And we're looking for, what was the name of your show again on the NFL side? Uh, the call sheet call sheet i love that i love that be on the lookout for more kt smith coming up it's gonna be good stuff kevin thanks for your time i appreciate it right on thank you all right steeler fans man love talking to that guy kevin is a great guy uh he's he's gonna be a big part of the fans first sports network moving forward at the nfl side he talked about his show might be doing a little bit more than that you're gonna hear his voice it's great Love his takes on the National Football League and the Pittsburgh Steelers, so make sure you're on the lookout for that. Hey, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, if you don't already, check us out on Twitter. The Fans First Sports Network feed is at Fans First SN. And then if you want some NFL only, you go to FFSN underscore NFL. Yes, I run both of those. <laughs> it's really tough not to just feed it with Steeler stuff, but I have to contain myself. Nonetheless, go and check those out on Twitter. We appreciate it. Don't forget, speaking of Twitter, the mailbag segment this Wednesday on Tuesday is when I put out the tweet. Be on the lookout for that. Follow me at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Man, big things ahead, folks. I hope you are excited as I am. Have a great start to your week. I will see you on Wednesday. In the meantime, be safe, be kind, and God bless those Steelers.